Good evening, film fans. This is the SDFP, the Second Day Film Podcast. It is Tuesday, July 24th, 2018. I am Brandon Champion, your host today. No Evan Dean on the podcast. He's off doing some uh, work stuff, but I am joined by the popcorn correspondent, Mr. Sam Morse. Sammy, have you pulled a Mr. McCall and read any good books lately? No, but there is like 15 on my list. Books, not not movies. Books, books. The things correct. with paper and words and pages. We should be finished with those by twenty seventy two. Just got to give myself some time. Anyway, though, speaking of popcorn and the correspondent himself, I have been on this month long hiatus on an endeavor to finally crack the answer to my question: Does Celebration Cinema use kettle? and regular popcorn mix. It was really me just building up the courage to ask an employee behind the back without sounding too off-the-wall bizarre. Well, the answer is no, and they use a seasoning. Shocking. And, shocking answer. And sometimes uh, it just doesn't get evenly dispersed. We have a uh, feature review today, and that's Equalizer 2, starring Mr. Denzel Washington. Just came out last week. Before we get there, we're going to run down a whole lot of stuff of who's watching what. Uh, you know, yes, we know we've been slacking on the segments a little bit lately, uh, but we're watching all sorts of stuff. It's the busy summer yep. movie season, uh, so we're trying to catch up, uh, make sure we give you guys recommendations and let uh, let you know what's out there to watch. Uh, but before we move into our show, we want to remind you of all the ways to get in touch with you. Sammy, how can they do that? Boom. Number one, I think, most important, Facebook. Everyone has one. Everyone has a way to get involved. Um, we also like the feedback we can generate with Facebook, putting up polls. But anyway, there's many more. We have Gmail, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Twitter, um, social media. If you have it, so do we. So easy to find, easy to get to. Yeah, you can really help us out by going to our Facebook page and inviting your Facebook friends to like the page. And also by going to iTunes and leaving us a rating or review. It's super important in, in helping other film fans maybe be able right. to find it within iTunes algorithm. As you know, there's a lot of podcasts, a lot of options out there. So by getting the more ratings we get, uh, the better and higher up in the algorithm it'll go. And even if it's a criticism, feel free to leave a criticism as well. We know we're not perfect. We're doing what we can to sort mm -hmm. of uh, you know make the pod better. Call us out. Yeah, call us out. I mean, any feedback is good <laughs> feedback, honestly, at this point. Anyways, like we said, uh, our feature review today will be Equalizer 2, starring Denzel Washington. But before we get there, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff we've been watching lately. And Sammy, I want to start with a movie that we saw a couple weeks ago. Right. And it's also another uh, sequel, and it's uh, Sicario Day of the Soldado. Uh, this is obviously a sequel to the 2015 film titled Sicario. Um, and I'll just read the plot summary from IMDb here. The drug war on the U.S.-Mexico border has escalated as the cartels have begun trafficking terrorists across the U.S. border. To fight the war, federal agent Matt Graver reteams with the mercurial Alejandro. So, um, I was a fan of the first movie. Uh, that one was directed by Dennis Villeneuve. This one is directed by Stefano Solima. Um, but both are written by Taylor Sheridan, who is quickly becoming one of my, my favorites. He's also known for Hell or High Water and also Wind River, uh, which are both movies mm -hmm. that I know uh, both of us were fans of. Um, but before, before we get to this sequel, Sammy, did you see the first Sicario? And what sort of what you're, I, do you I, remember most about that? Well, the one thing that really sticks out to me with the first Sicario was that it started off so fast. It started off so 
you know, wild. Like, it was, just brought me right in. And then it kind of took that little plunge off the the disconnect. It kind of slowed down right to a screeching halt for me. So, um, it was one of those ones where it was a pay attention, kind of get disinterested, but come back to it at the end. Um, so I was really kind of looking for more of a flair in Sicario 2. Um, but that's I, really what sticks out to me on the first one. Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, Sicario 2, Day of the Soldado here, uh, sort of follows a similar formula. We start off with a bang. Uh, we see a brutal crime take place right away, and then the story settles in, and we're jumping around to a lot of different storylines, and it, it weaves its way through the plot, and we sort of get to this one. But the first thing that I think of when I... When I, when I was watching uh, Sicario Day of the Soldado was how relevant the movie is right mm -hmm. now. Uh, oh, obviously, gosh. you know, immigration and the border war and, and you know, Trump's wall and whatnot. Uh, these are all very relevant topics right now. And Sicario very, um, I think, purposefully draws attention to those sort of things and sort of some of the issues that are going on. Oh, very much um, so. It's a brutal, brutal movie, a lot like the first one. Um, I really liked how the first movie created suspense, especially when we're, you know, they're driving through Mexico City and every person could be a bad guy and you don't really know who's a bad guy, who's a good guy. This movie plays off some of that again, but does it in a different uh, sort of way. Um, that being said, it, it's, I'm not sure this was an improvement and I have to say that I'm not sure if this was really a necessary sequel. I mean, it, we, we pick it up more in Alejandro's story and played by Benicio Del Toro and it's sort of... Played, you know, played well. Yeah, no, well. no, the performances I like a lot, but what does this movie really add to that the first one didn't already do? Just gave us a couple more hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know? A couple million, couple <clears throat> hundred million more uh, money in the in the box office there. I, I mean, it plays off the, it just really kind of plays off the fact that drugs are power, especially in Mexico, and that the cartel, you know, is the enforcement. They're the law enforcement, and we come in and we can do whatever we want, and no one's safe, not even U.S. Marshals, anything. It's it's just, it shows you what a wicked wild, wild west that Mexico has become, or is, or has been. And not even just Mexico, but the whole United States-Mexico border area. Right, right. And I do agree that I think that it's a really honest movie about sort of how gritty and dirty that drug war actually is. And sometimes the U.S. has to fight dirty with dirty mm -hmm. because the opponents that they're facing oh, are not, uh, they don't play by the rules. And sometimes, so we don't have to play by the rules. So I do like how honest and like unflinching of a look it is at that. Mm -hmm. With that being said, it makes it hard to root for any of the characters because they are also these heartless killing machines. You know, Alejandro yeah. oh, is yeah. this assassin and um, Josh Brolin's character is sort of just this by-the-book CIA agent who's adept at torturing and, and treating people just like objects and assets and there's no loyalty throughout the whole thing. So I think that the director and the filmmakers are trying to sort of play on this idea of in this war there really is no winners. You know, there's mm -hmm. not really any good guys. It's just sort of people with with different motivations, and depending on how you look at it, that is whether you're good or bad. And, and honestly, there's some similar things in, in uh, The Equalizer that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, but it's just when you don't really uh, relate or identify with any characters in the movie, it kind of makes it hard to get on their side. Right. Oh, and even to kind of keep pace with it. 
Like, it, you, you, you know, that's what we were drawn to. Um, a little off topic here, not not too far. I just really want to draw to the cover art of, like, the what would it be, the poster of the movie. I just love how the two characters are in the top of the skull, and it's just the candy skull that's, you know, Mexico, like, even when we, you know, I'm going to go a little Pixar on us, but with Coco and Day of the Dead, you know, the skull is a very important meaning of, you know, in, in the culture. And I just think they did a really good job at putting the two guys back to back, um, both holding up, you know, pretty powerful weapons. Not just a pistol or a couple dual wielding pistols, you know. We're talking heavy machinery there. Well, yeah, and it's a skull. Obviously, that means someone is dead. And, mm -hmm. and both Josh Brolin's character and Alejandro Benicio del Toro's character are both sort of angels of death. They deliver yeah. uh, death, and they and they wherever they go, there's sort of destruction. And that sort of gets back to where it was hard for me to sort of root for them. That being said, the set pieces of the, of the desert and the sort of um, you know, through Mexico City and and some of the other places that they go in this movie are are well shot and well filmed. Oh, very. Sheridan's script is great. It's tight. Um, I I do again question some of the motivations of without giving you know we're not going to go into spoilers for this movie, but I do question some of the how the characters' motivations track throughout the end of the movie. I'm not sure that it really uh, makes sense the whole time. Some of the decisions they make towards the end of the movie. Um, but it, it's it's super brutal. It's not it's violent. It's not going to be a movie for anyone. Don't bring your kids to this one. Don't get it confused with Coco. Uh, that's for sure. And again, I have to question whether or not the movie was actually needed. But again, we have sequels for everything these days, so it is yeah. what it is. It's a well made movie, and it's it's very suspenseful. And I think it's an unflinching look at the drug war. Um, so I, I actually really liked it. I ended up giving it a seven out of ten, mm -hmm. and I think it's a good a good but maybe unnecessary follow-up to the first one. Yeah, I uh, I did watch this one in theaters and the first one not in theaters, so maybe that's what, you know, caught me, my attention. I love the storyline. I love the thought of the movie. I would have to give it a six or a seven right in there. I'm torn. I'm really torn on this one. Um, I liked it, but I just think there's, like you said, there's that little more that we're just missing, I think, and that's what it would put it over the edge for me. Okay, so that is uh, Sicario, Day of the Soldado. Sam's at about a 6.5. I'd be at a straight 7 on this one. Uh, but really like Sicario and Sicario, Day of the Soldado, and really excited to see what else Taylor Sheridan comes up with uh, because Wind River and Hell or yeah. High Water are two movies that I really liked a lot, two too. Two of my favorites, yeah. Um, so, Sammy, what else have you been watching? Kind of been sitting back on the series. I, I've only, I was able to watch the pilot. Well, it was more of like the first episode, but a little longer. Um, it was about an hour and a half, and it's uh, Kevin Costner's uh, drama series on Paramount Pictures, um, or the Paramount Network, and it's called Yellowstone. So it takes place in Bozeman, Montana. Let me just read a kind of like what the, you know, the little uh, caption here. A ranching family in Montana faces off against others encroaching on their land. Pretty much what you would expect in Montana. What else is there to fight about in Montana? No offense to anyone from Montana. Love Montana. Jason Cassian, I hope you're doing well. Just alienating our entire listenership from Montana. But I'm just saying, there's so much land there. I've always, I, you know, what else do you fight about? And and it's it's true. It's 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 just a story of where Kevin Costner is a huge rancher. But to be honest with you, he runs the city. He's the man. And it's just because he has all this land. Land is power. Now you get some of the tribal you know, kind of getting in and pressing on them a little bit. Cattle run on each people's property lines. There's no, there's not a, a wall or, or a big line that says, hey, you can't come over here. You know, 
It's all, and, and there's points to prove this in, in the show. So it's like, it just, it's, it, it amazes me the kind of, the kind of different, you know, kind of different way of living it is out in, out in Bozeman. And then you get another guy, there's like so many angles to the show already in the first pilot that it just, you get a lady here that's kind of the enforcer, that's his daughter. You get the son who's a lawyer who's protecting his dad's land from them expanding the city. And he's saying... We'll put up condos. They do it in San Francisco. Well, everyone knows San Francisco. People aren't rushing to live in Bozeman like they are San Francisco. Um, I'm only I'm only the first episode in. It's going to be those thrillers where you got a main family, and they're just trying to protect what they love. You know, he they tell you right away he lost his his wife, and they kind of play off that. Um, he's tight with the the uh, the governor. Um, very cool show. Kevin Costner is also amazing. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, so that's another reason I should probably put out there that is why I was really intrigued in watching the show. Um, updates coming soon because I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to finish this one. My roommates are hooked. My dad and my stepmom are hooked. They've already leaked secrets to me, so I'm a little disappointed. So I'm not gonna do that to you guys because where where can you watch this show? It's on Paramount Pictures. Uh, it's on um, Paramount Network. So if you have like the basic package of DirecTV, I know you can find it. AT&T packages as well. Um, Amazon Prime Video will have it as well. Um, other than that, it's still new, so it's on TV, so you won't be able to like catch up fully. Um, it just ran, I think we're on uh, the episode 5 if you're watching every Wednesday, 10 p.m. on Paramount Network. But... Uh, Hmm. Seems like a show that I, I haven't I haven't heard a whole lot about Yellowstone, but obviously with uh, you know Kevin Costner um, and actually Taylor Sheridan was a creator of this show. I'm looking at it on IMDb right now. We were just yep. talking about him, so uh, you know it sounds like it'd be something right up his alley. He's obviously interested in the western and sort of yep. you know uh, the wild west sort of landscape. Um, so something I'll probably have to check out at some point. That's Yellowstone. Uh, it's on the Paramount Network. Uh, I'm going to jump into another movie I actually went and saw last week, and it's one I've wanted to see for a while, and it's the horror film Hereditary. Uh, this is a movie that's been getting a lot of buzz ever since it premiered earlier this year. Uh, the plot summer on IMDb. After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets. Uh, this movie was written and directed by Ari Aster in his directorial debut. Sam's over here covering his ears because he's, <laughs> he's shaking in his boots already. As we know uh, from previous podcasts, horror is not Sam's favorite genre in the world. Uh, he sleeps with the lights on after we forced him to go watch A Quiet Place uh, a couple months ago. Um, For a week. Yeah, but anyways, this is a this is a super creepy movie. And, and uh, I'm not sure I would call it scary, but more so, like, subtly unsettling is, okay. is how I would call it. Um, I, I appreciate the movie has a lot of style, and it doesn't go for, like, cheap jump scares and, you know, bend over, pick something up, stand up, someone's in the mirror. Yep. It doesn't go for the classic horror cliches. Instead, it's it's really original in what it's trying to do and how it tries to scare you. Um it's been pretty divisive when it comes to critics who have loved the movie and the general public who have kind of not really bought the hype or understood why it's so, uh, you know, well-received. And I would sort of compare it, Sam, to a movie we went and saw before we started doing this podcast uh, called Mother 
uh, Darren oh, yeah. Aronofsky's latest yeah. movie um, with Jennifer Lawrence. And, and the reason I compare it to that is it, it's a movie that maybe if you see the previews, you're not really going to understand what it's actually about. And where it goes is going to be pretty disturbing if you aren't prepared for what you're about to see. It's not a movie that is going to be for everyone, but I really like what it's trying to say, albeit in a very screwed up and <laughs> demented way. Um, <laughs> but I think the core message of this is the message of legacy and your family and how you can try and be your own person and you can make your own life and you can blaze your own trail. Uh, but ultimately, part of you will always be a little bit of what's passed down to you. Who your who? What is in yeah. your DNA? Who is your parents? Who were their parents? Who were their parents? And what does that mean for who you are as a person? So it deals with that question. But obviously, there's some supernatural elements that are sort of yeah, we see that in actually the previews. <laughs> right, yeah, there's some supernatural folded in. Um, I'm not sure the movie does a great job of what's, what happens throughout it actually explaining a plot that is easily followable. Uh, it, take, I, it took me some reading after to sort of understand what it was going for, similar to Mother, actually. Yeah. Um, it would, I wouldn't say it's scary, but it will leave you thinking and make it hard to sleep at night. Uh so, uh, Sammy, is this a movie you have any interest in seeing, Hereditary? No. <laughs> um, actually, I was going to ask you pretty much how the whole movie is. So if I do watch it, I actually know how everything that's going to happen. Well, I'm not going to do that because um, I'm not going to spoil it for our listeners. Um, but that's something off cam. <laughs> um, no, I was I, I was very in, intrigued by this movie and to see how they could. I just wish they would, you know, jump back into people's, you know, ancestry. Can't we do that in a pleasant, nice way? Like, you know, like, hey, you're this person because your your father and grandfather and grandfather and grandfather and great-grandfather did this. Instead, they have to twist it, make it. Like I was telling you, in the previews, you see the kid get slammed at school, and he's got the bloody chin, you know? It's like... Sam would just rather the entire horror genre not exist. But you mentioned the kid. That's Alex Wolf, actually, who was in Jumanji last year. So talk about it. Yeah, welcome to Jumanji, but welcome... Talk about... (laughs) Welcome to a crazy right turn because the, you Jumanji go from Jumanji funny. to Hereditary is quite quite an interesting turn. But this kid, Alex Wolf, did he play it well? Yeah, he does a great job in this movie. He does a lot of acting with his eyes and his facial expressions, and he's sort of like the victim of this whole thing. And he he really gives off the feeling that something isn't right, but he does it like I said in a subtle, creepy, not in your face way. And also Tony Collette, who plays his mother, I think this might be the best performance of her career. She's she's incredibly damaged and conflicted and guilt written and guilt ridden in this movie. She doesn't really know what the best thing to do for her family is. She right. doesn't know how to react uh, to certain things you? that are going on around her. Um, so good performances, creepy movie. Uh, people are debating whether or not this is better than A Quiet Place, which is another horror film uh, that we reviewed a couple months ago. Um, I would say no. I, I think I liked A Quiet Place a little more. It had a little more pizzazz. It had a little more style to it in the way that it was almost like a silent film. Um, I also thought it built suspense a little better, and I liked some of the set pieces. It was just more entertaining movie in my book, um, and it sort of hit home for me a little mm-hmm. bit more. But that being said, they're both well-done horror films. Um, I think that, you know, it's not going to be for everyone. It's going to be a movie sort of like, you know, we heard people react after Mother. What the hell was that? That was so dumb. And, you know, if you're not someone who likes to think deep about movies or likes to sort of get into what a movie's trying to say, it might not be for you. 
Um, but I, I also gave this one a seven out of ten. So Sammy, I know you're gonna you're gonna you love to say that I give every movie a seven. So I mean, we just know. watched the EQ. I won't give anything away, but I'm pretty good at guessing when it comes to champs movie picks and what he's going to rank them. So. Well, when you've ranked over, like, you know, 1,500 movies, there's only so many numbers you can give out. That's all I'm going to say about that. So that's Hereditary, uh, a creepy movie to watch by yourself in an empty house on a stormy Friday night. <laughs> Sounds lovely. <laughs> now we're going to move on to our featured review. It is the action thriller starring Denzel Washington. It's Equalizer 2. First time, the bookie. No, no, no. Long time ago. Life. Now you come back. Yes, I'm looking for something. You can find whatever you wish. About a man who kidnapped a little girl from her American mother. Would not be looking for such a man. Would be dangerous for you. Men like him would think that. So this film, like the first Equalizer, is directed by Antoine Fuqua. It stars Denzel Washington, Pedro Pascal, Ashton Sanders, Orson Bean, Bill Pullman, Melissa Leo, Sakina Jeffrey, and some other talented actors. Uh, the plot summary from IMDb. Robert McCall serves an unflinching justice for the exploited and oppressed, but how far will he go when that is someone he loves? So, pretty basic plot summary there. Uh, obviously, this is a follow-up to the 2014 film called The Equalizer. Uh, and this is uh, Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington's fourth collaboration. Uh, so, they, they've worked together a lot, including Training Day, which I know is a movie that you really like, Sam. Absolutely. Um, but, Sam, uh, you actually saw the first Equalizer a long time ago. I actually mm -hmm. saw it last night. Uh, and that's the first time I'd ever seen it in preparation for this podcast. Um, so I have some thoughts on it, but what do you remember from the first Equalizer? Man, I just had to read kind of like a little touch-up on it. A man believes he, he has put his mysterious past behind him and has dedicated himself to beginning a new quiet life, but when he meets a young girl under the control of ultra-violent Russian gangsters, he can't stand idly by. He has to help her, which that's, you know, come right from the plot summary. It's pretty much on the dot what I kind of remember. It was that Denzel lives his quiet life. He doesn't have much going for him. He's really to himself. Doesn't really reach out to gain um, opinions from others, let alone help or assist many. Very select few. Small group kind of guy. Um, sounds like, you know, at the beginning of that movie, he lived a busy life before. But now he kind of just really likes to... And he had some hardships and some tragedies tragedy but he just wanted to sit down be cozy live a normal life kind of go under the radar and um i just remember a scene and you can correct me anytime that i'm you know a little little off but he's sitting in a diner and he's reading his book and he always he always had a fetish with clocks there was always something with clocks and and he's just sitting in the diner and he just always watching he's always observing and i feel like he's always calculating or he's always you know um, gearing what's going to happen next. And that's where he was always ahead. He was always a step ahead, step ahead, step ahead. Um, that's really the, I just, the, the diner scene really sticks out to me and don't know necessarily why. 
but well, that's well. It's not even just with the clocks. He's he's calculated it almost to a point where he's OCD about everything. He he lines his napkins up yeah. on the corner and yep. he sets spoons over and he sets his stopwatch and he gets up and does the same thing every day. And I, I agree, he's he's always observing. He's always a step ahead. Very meticulous. Um, it sort of Denzel Washington. I, I can watch him in anything. He's one of our favorite. Uh, actors, um, you know, he really masters the sort of subtle badass that is Robert McCall. You know, he really seems calculated, clever. Everything he does is is with a purpose. There, right. Nothing is a waste. You know, everything is planned. He knows what he's going to do ahead of time. Um, and his sort of mannerisms in this actually sort of remind me of the Book of Eli, another movie with Denzel yeah. Washington. I don't yep. know if you've seen that one, mm-hmm. where he's long, long people are ago. always underestimating him based on his appearance and think he's like this old man who just keeps to himself, and then all of a sudden he just you know snaps and beats the crap out of people. <laughs> Denzel's just really good at playing this sort of you know uh, quiet assassin. Yeah, a quiet assassin, a guy who. You know, you, you don't expect to be a badass, but he actually is. Um, this movie, like the first one, um, which, like I said, I saw it last night for the first time. It wasn't one that I really felt like I had to watch when it came out, even though I'm a Denzel Washington fan. It just kind of seemed like another, you know, run-of-the-mill crime, you know, thriller. And I'm not sure that it is not that. It kind of is that. Uh, but, you know, considering Denzel's one of my favorite actors, I was surprised that I hadn't seen it. In both the first one and this one, I love the hand-to-hand combat. It's oh, incredible. The sort of clever, brutal choreography and the clever ways that he goes about dispatching his enemies. Um, it's really well done. It's really well choreographed and thought out. And and I have to laugh. I have to think, like, do you think the writers and the creators of this movie are just, like, sitting around in a room and, like, how can we kill someone with a spoon? How can we kill someone with a toothbrush? How can we kill someone with flour? Like, you know, like... Kind of reminds you of, like, Deadpool, like, when he was doing all that, like, remember the spatula in yeah. Deadpool? <laughs> it was, like, a little, little bizarre, but... I, I, I would, the, the one criticism I would have of the character himself, and I, this is not a criticism on me actually wanting to watch him, because I could watch Denzel do this shtick all day, but I do think at times he's a little bit too perfect, right? Yeah. This guy's such a badass, he never misses up, messes up. He's so invincible that you never actually worry that he's going to get in a situation that he can't get out of, you know? He's always in control. It's like Mm -hmm. he's this master puppeteer that's controlling all the strings at all times. And I don't think in any of these two movies do we ever see him screw up once, you know? He gets cut one time. Right, you know? One time. And and while that's cool to see a character that's such a, a straight badass killer it's also brings up the point like well is there ever really that much suspense and drama in this because you kind of feel like he's always in control and i do think that that is a little bit of a hindrance on the story and a little bit of you know kills a little bit of the suspense um specifically talking about the equalizer 2 uh you know i think it's somewhat of a formulaic formulaic setup mm-hmm. you know we kind of see the twists coming we kind of know who the bad guy is well, gonna you be definitely did. yeah we kind of know who's gonna you know get killed at specific moments right you know, it doesn't really do that good of a job of hiding things and i don't know if it really cares that much you know i, I think it's an action crime thriller that mm-hmm. you know and that's what it's trying to be a generic twist i think in my opinion yeah you know i I like that we spend a lot of time with side characters, both in the first one and the second one. You know, that uh, Fuqua really wants to show that, like, McCall is trying, Mr. McCall is trying to put this old life behind him, 
But he really, at the start of this movie, he's embraced, you know, that he is what he is. Yep. But at the same time, they really do a good job humanizing him and showing him that, you know, he reads books and he he talks to his neighbors and he hangs out with the people around him and he... He, and he wants to do good. Right. He does. Like, he is trying to do good, as we see in, in this one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's, it's very important to him that, you know, his lifestyle and the way he, he views life is mere normal, even though he's abnormal. Right. Yeah, I mean, in the first one, we had Ralphie, the guy that he was teaching, you know, the, to be a security guard. And this one, you know, uh, we have uh, Miles, the other yep. black guy. We have the old guy who lives in the... the uh, Sam. Yeah, Sam, Sam. We have, <laughs> you know, the lady who has the garden. You know, they, they really do a good job showing us that Mr. McCall is a good guy. He's a guy mm-hmm. who wants... To just live a normal life, but you know he's he obviously can't because he realizes he can do more good by embracing the skills that he has. <laughs> but these little human characteristics that he has, like drinking tea and reading books and doing these things, really help to to form his character more. Right. Oh yeah, and he was a Lyft driver. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know well, how that... much Lyft had to pay for that. You know. Uh branding there but that's just another was... but that's another way of humanizing exactly. oh, oh of course this you know badass assassin drives lift in his spare time <laughs> you know <laughs> quiet and courteous yes yeah um one other criticism i do think the movie's a little bit too long it's at about two hours and nine yeah. minutes and i i i wouldn't say it dragged when i was watching it you know it was enough that i was i was into it i was enjoying mm-hmm. the movie well you but, can't with all the yeah but it, but i do think you know it it, there are some things that don't need to quite be in it as long. I don't know if we need some of the side stories, right. uh, you know, to fit in. But, you know, for the most part, it, it was a pretty smooth story and a pretty smooth plot. So that's just a minor criticism for me. Uh, anything else you want to get into before we jump into spoilers? Again, and Denzel. Denzel's the man. I just, I love his movies and... Uh... And I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to hit the spoil machine. Okay, so we're gonna get into spoilers here for uh, Equalizer Two. Uh, so if you haven't seen the movie and you want to go back and watch it, uh, go ahead. And also, there might be some brief spoilers for the first Equalizer as well, just by default uh, when we talk we're about a things. A couple here. years removed. Yeah, uh, that's true. But you know, I hadn't seen it until yesterday. You know, and sometimes yeah. movies slip through the cracks. So I uh, just want to give a warning uh, from this point on: full spoilers for both Equalizer movies. Uh, starting now so sam what is the first thing that sort of uh jumps into your head or the first thing that stuck with you you know we just got done watching this movie not too long ago here earlier tonight uh what's the first thing that jumped out of you you know now in free reign talking about anything kind of like what you were touched on a little bit kind of um before about him being invincible it was just so cliche even when you gave me the old side nudge and said Oh, she's a goner. Like, literally, I think those were your legit words. Right, words. talking about uh, Melissa Leo's character, yeah. uh, his his friend, um, uh, Susan. Uh, it was pretty obvious she was uh, going down. Yeah, absolutely. Total goner. Um, <clears throat> but that he didn't get touched or hurt or, like, anything never happened to him until the final scene of when he was fighting, you know... Uh, Gosh, what was his name? It was Dave in the movie, I'm pretty sure. Dave York, played by Pedro Pascal, who we find out is the main bad guy in the movie, and of course he is. Of course the guy who wasn't in the last movie that suddenly is getting screen time in the second movie is going to end up being the bad guy. And he's the closest relation to him. I'm pretty sure they were partners at one point. He's very meticulous, I get that. And he's able to nitpick and kind of sitting in the house where the two, where the 
they first assassinated the people in Brussels. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there, and he can just see, like, I thought that was a cool shot, but I thought it was a little far-fetched, too, that he looked down and see, saw the bullet. Like, things that... Why are the people investigating overseeing that as well? Well, that goes back to, you know, Denzel Washington, Mr. McCall, is a total badass. He can do anything he wants. He has no flaws. He can. He's a guy who can do anything. He might as well be a superhero. Miles at the end says he's creating a superhero, and the, the girl says, oh, can he fly? And he says, no, he doesn't need to. He, drives, he drives a Malibu. Yeah, well, that. he might as well have said that he could fly because we never really see it. Maybe if he jumped out the window, he could fly because it seems like he can do everything else. Um, going back to the bad guy with Dave York, also with his motivations, they didn't really seem clear to me why he was going rogue right. and why he was a bad guy. Um, it had something to do with... He was like a disgruntled ex-CIA agent. Go and, to the VA for this. Yeah, and, and But did you see that house he was in? He's got a hot wife and two adorable kids. Things don't seem too bad there in New Hampshire. So I feel like he should probably, you know, take a little chill pill. Because, you know what? Things aren't, so, yeah, things aren't so bad, buddy. You know, <laughs> I don't know why you're like so willing to just turn your back on your former friend here. Just, uh, so his motivation... Yeah. So... It, I think that the bad guy wasn't great. His motivations were kind of poor. He was kind of a one-dimensional character. Um, you know, but I, I did appreciate, I guess, that it was a little bit of a different turn from the first one. Mm-hmm. Because in the first one, we're dealing with just bad Russian gangsters. You know, they were just bad because they're mafia men. At least this guy, they at least attempted to give him sort of a backstory and, you know, right. why he would do this. And it was different than just a straight mafia hit. So I guess I appreciated that. Uh, but overall, I didn't think it was a very good villain. No, not at all for me either. It, when it when it happened, you know, you saw it. You, in in best way to think about it too, like you just said, was he got a lot of screen time for what? Yeah, who's this guy? Yeah, all of a sudden, <laughs> this guy, and and he's like, yeah, keep me informed, keep me in the loop. What? Yeah, come on. One little note while we're talking about that sort of scene in the house when we first find out that he's the bad guy, uh, and then Denzel goes outside and the, his ex-team and his cronies are there. I do like the sort of symbolism of, you know, the wind was blowing and we see the storm was sort of starting to blow in, which I think is kind of interesting because obviously we know a showdown is looming as well mm-hmm. uh, with the actual storm on its way as well. And we get that at the end in this really cool set piece, I think, sort of in this Martha's Vineyard, like, coastal seaside town. Um, and I'm about to make a really weird comparison here. Uh, in both the first one, where we had the final showdown at the Home Mart, the Home Depot-like right. place, and now in this one, in sort of the Martha's Vineyard, you know, seaside, isolated town, it was giving me crazy Home Alone vibes. And I know that sounds really weird. Home Alone vibes, what? But oh, So at oh, the oh, end oh. of both of the... Two home loans with Macaulay Culkin, what happens? He sets up all these booby traps, first in the house and then in the sort of warehouse in the second one in New York. Marv, and it's just these Marv, yeah, Don't move, Marv. Right. It's just these bumbling idiots coming in and, and falling in and getting caught in all these booby traps and they're very specific set pieces. You could say the same thing happens in both the first one and the second one. It's so, so true. Obviously, this movie's a lot more brutal than Home Alone, but it's the same kind of idea where you have these unique locations where you can come up with clever ways to hurt and kill people, and literally the buffoons are falling into every single little trap that McCall Buffoons or harpoons? Yeah, we did see a guy get a harpoon <laughs> through the neck, which was pretty but brutal. With that whole scene, too, though, is like these guys are ex-CIA. They were military men. They got sent out on missions. They came at least 
if they weren't, they played like like toy soldiers. Let me tell you, they came and dressed the part. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the guy had three magazines for his uh, AR-15 just strapped to his chest. But you're going to let Denzel beat you with a harpoon, a, six bags of flour and two fans. Yeah. Um, he did get the one guy with the knife. Swiss Army knife. Yeah. And then you're going to let him climb up behind you when you're sniper on top of a, you know, a 50... Lighthouse or something. Light, yeah. <laughs> and he climbs up and just, you know, knocks the shit out. Another thing that now that we bring that up is, how did that guy fall in the first place? Remember he fell back and hit his head on the pole? Yeah. I kind of thought, like, was there water hitting? Because the, the hurricane was going on the well, whole time. Well, Mr. McCall's probably got, you know, telekinesis or something. He's got everything So there's else. a superhero. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does go back to, we're here for Denzel. We're here to see yeah. Denzel kick ass. That's why <laughs> That's we're watching true. this movie. Because Denzel Washington's going to beat all the idiots' butts. Um, but I do wonder, like I said earlier, the writers, you know, oh, let's... Uh, Let's uh, find a way to kill someone with a harpoon. Let's find a way to kill someone <laughs> yeah. with flour. Uh, you know, I do think that's kind of hilarious, just trying to think of that. And while it was just a lot of Denzel kicking ass, I do like both the set piece in the first one and this one. I think it was super stylish. It was clever. Um, you know, and while it maybe is a little bit far-fetched, it is cool to see Denzel just beating some ass, especially with the storm, waters, and the wind going across. That was super cool. Um, His hometown, really. Yeah, yeah. and in and, and the first one, the same way, when he shuts all the lights off in the department store and he's just using random stuff to take these guys out and there's the subtle music playing. Uh, it does get me a little bit fired up, I will right. say that. What did you think of his of his uh, the kid here, uh, Ashton Sanders, who plays Miles in this movie? I it seems like kind of a random little uh, thing in this movie right. to me. It was it, it was kind of like like a bird under his wing, like almost is he was a troubled teen, and kind of brings up the the idea of stay off the corner. He said that a couple times, and he busts into the place you know where they're doing drugs and they're making crack, and he's gonna sell it. And he was a phenomenal artist. We see that at the end, too. The guy had so much talent. And it kind of just reminded me of how he wanted to help people, um, like he did in the first one. Even the, you know, he puts up the Craigslist, if you need help, call me. Like He's it, the equalizer. He'll yeah. even the score. If you're, if you're over your head, he'll help even the score. And that's what I mean. And it's like, I think that's what he wanted to really help this kid out, because he didn't want to see him go on a wrong path. When I, I don't necessarily think Miles knew what he wanted to do either. He grew up, he lost his brother, his mom doesn't make a lot of money, they don't get to eat very often, as you can tell when he always comes over and wants to, hey, this isn't your house. Don't this, touch that, that's my pot. Yeah, that's not your pot, that's not your house, you're not even at your own place. Like, I get that. I got, I guess what I took in is I, talk, I took in a lot of emotion in on that, um, yeah. because you felt it. Yeah, I mean, I, I... He was sort of a father figure to him. I, I like this kid, Ashton Sanders. I haven't really seen him in anything else, but I think he does a good job acting in this movie, especially in that scene, both him and Denzel, when he goes into the gangbangers hangout and he Dang, sort of taunts yeah. him with the gun. It was really powerful. I loved whenever uh, Ashton Summers and Denzel Washington were on screen together. I thought they had really good chemistry. Um, and, and the scenes between them are great. I love it every time it happens. I think the relationship is believable and real, and it was powerful, but it just sometimes felt like it belonged in a different movie. You know, it was, I, I do think that, you know, I, I say that, you know, I like that they spend time with the side characters and sort mm -hmm. of humanizing him. 
And so I like that aspect of it, but they spent so much time on this one, it almost felt like it belonged in something else. Not a movie about Fences. Denzel Washington. Maybe. Sort of. I mean, it felt like it belonged in like a father figure gang movie. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, this movie about an assassin espionage trying to track down things. It almost felt a little out of place at times. I could see and that. I do wonder, yeah. what what purpose does Miles' character really serve other than just being another guy that he takes under his wing? Well, I mean, he becomes a hostage at the they, end, yeah. but is that really his only purpose, really, at the end? No, I think, like, I think it was to, to show, even though it doesn't really take much to show, but, um, what's his name? Denzel's softer side. It, it showed him what what reasoning did he have to help this kid? Hey, you're just a knucklehead gangbanger. Mm-hmm. And Live even, your life, bro. And he even says, "Why me?" Exactly. Why me? And, and that kept like they reiterated that fact constantly. Yeah. So it was like, "Why him?" Yeah, and I do think you're right. It is to show that Mr. McCall is just a good guy. You mm-hmm. know, why does he befriend Chloe Grace Moretz in the first movie? Because. He sees she's in trouble, and he just she he just wants to help her. Lend He's, a hand, you know. So I guess that is consistent with his character, and I guess it makes sense. I just I guess I wonder why they spent so much time with it. With that being said, I really liked it. I really mm-hmm. liked. I thought oh, that that relationship was one of the strongest parts you of the could, movie. You could take the next movie if you know EQ three. We don't know, but if there was, and you can play it off their relationship. Mm-hmm. Just alone, you could easily envision some sort of apprentice. Although he doesn't want, although. He wants him to be an artist. He doesn't want him to right. become a killer. So maybe that wouldn't happen either. But but he actually prevented him from becoming a killer. Right. So there's like catch twenty two that you could really play it in is is you know McCall's into art. Yeah. Reading books are art. You know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what he envisioned for himself. Yeah. He wants to live it through miles now, but he knows that. He just can't let this dark side go. Yeah, and I and I guess they tried to do that with Ralphie in the first one, but you know, in this one, it just seems like a real more palpable relationship. It right. seems like it's much more featured, and I, I guess I I appreciate those sort of efforts. I to thought he was his kid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> to be honest, we don't knows? know. But... Well, he did say, "I'm your daddy." Your mom just never told you. <laughs> yeah, the gangbanger crib. That was awesome. Anyways, uh, you know, stylistic movie, fun to see Denzel kill people, uh, but. Uh, Sam, what, do you, what are sort of your overall thoughts on it and give us a grade? Um, can't put it above Training Day. I did like it. I was really intrigued. Again, the way it was cool. Um, they go into that, you know, what was it, accountant's house and your daddy's money can't save you now. So there's other thematic, you know, series in it too. Uh, the gangbanger scene was awesome. Um, so much action. I mean, I didn't know you could break a guy's arm 17 times. I think I counted 17. I could be wrong. I'll have to watch it again. But Denzel kicks ass. 7 out of 10. Plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, Denzel I Denzel Washington is just a man. <laughs> he really is. He's just... I don't think I've ever gave him anything under. Yeah. I mean, we tried to even think about it outside the theater today, champ. Right. He's infinitely watchable. And I say that about a lot of actors, but Denzel really is. He really, like I said, has this... Especially when he's playing these sort of everyman badass guys who really aren't an everyman. He really nails it. Uh, the choreography and the fight scenes and the action is awesome in this. The way that they come up with clever ways to dispatch his enemies. And one interesting other note is that he never actually, in both the films, he never actually fires his own gun to kill someone. He always kills someone in other ways other than shooting a gun. There's not one time. Even the guy who attacks him in his lift, he pushes his trigger finger to pull the gun on himself. 
he never shoots someone himself. He always kills them in some other way, which I think is super clever. They find ways to kill people with harpoons and nail guns and flour and, you know, Swiss Army knives and by driving around and knocking a guy around in a car. Like, that's just super clever. And I appreciate the effort and attention to detail in doing that. This movie was a little bit predictable uh, with both Melissa Leo's death and also the bad guy played by Pablo Vizquel. Um But I like the set pieces. I like the whole, um, you know, the ways that they fight. Um, and I like the relationship with Miles, even though it feels maybe a little bit out of place. Uh, with that being said, it, it really is just a movie to see Denzel kick some ass. But it, you know what? If that's all it's trying to be, it definitely succeeded at that. Uh, I'd give it a 7, seven out of 10 mm -hmm. as well. All right, so that's uh, going to conclude our episode here today. Um, we will be coming back hopefully soon. Mission Impossible Fallout comes out uh, next week or this week. Um, so I'm hoping we can get to a, a review of that soon. Uh, we're all super busy here in the summer months. Uh, a lot to do here in West Michigan. You know, we all love our jobs and our other our other uh, commitments. We got fantasy football coming up here soon, so that'll be a big topic of conversation amongst all of us. Uh, but before we sign off here, Sam, why don't you remind them one more time where they can sort of connect with us? Boom! Social media. If you don't know what social media is, you don't live in our today's society. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Maybe soon. Yeah. So coming soon. Coming soon. But you know, main main sources for us is SoundCloud's where you can hear us. iTunes is definitely gonna help us, like Champ said, review, rate, like. Um, just get us boosted up there so people kinda click on us. You know, it's like Google. When you Google search something, you don't click on the seventh one down. You click on the first, second, or third. You don't really look. So that's what that's where iTunes really helps us to to bump up. Um and chatter with us on Facebook. Keep us in intrigued. Keep us alive. Keep us honest. Champ says he wants to argue with some people. Yep. I want to see it. <laughs> um, just just remember, you know, you, you have ways to connect. You have ways to stay in touch. And Champ? And if you have any other movies that you, uh, you know, you want us to see or you think that we need to check out. Also, if you've seen Sicario, Hereditary, Yellowstone, uh, or Equalizer 2, uh, make sure you let us know what you think. But anyways, until next time. We'll see you at the movies. Dean. Dean.